Celsius, 83% relative humidity, and the strong monsoon signal is in effect. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and Mike Rouse is guest presenter. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about climate change with the introduction of a new extremely hot weather warning and a prediction that this year could be among the hottest recorded. The Hong Kong Observatory said in a news briefing late last week that we can expect high temperatures and other extreme weather events to increase in the coming years. That came after the release of a United Nations report that warned of climate change affecting the world faster than expected. So what should we as residents do to protect ourselves from the effects of increasingly hot weather and with Hong Kong committed to achieving carbon neutrality by 2050? How can we best do our part? We'll also hear more about Earth Hour, organised by WWF, on Saturday night. And later in the programme, we'll focus on the return of international golf to Hong Kong and a landmark victory for Tai Chi Ko, who's become the first Hong Kong player to win an Asian tour event, the inaugural World City Championship at Fan Ling. Let us know what you think on any of these uh, topics. Uh, you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88-266. Um Joining us now on the line, we have uh, Edwin Lau, who's a director of Friends of the Earth, and Betty Lau, campaign manager of the Clean Air Network. Uh, thank you both uh, for joining us. Uh, perhaps, uh, um, Edwin Lau, we can come to you first. Good morning. Morning, uh, Jim and Mike. Just excuse me. Uh, yeah. I am the executive director of the Green Earth. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, my, I'm, I'm working off a cue sheet, which uh, unfortunately gives you the wrong title. So, sorry, you're executive director of the Green Earth, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us. And we, we've heard um, numerous warnings about what's going to happen uh, with the climate. What sort of weather are we looking at as in the future? It's uh, really uh, worrying for. I mean, for we're living in this very densely populated uh, city in Hong Kong and mm-hmm. with all the high rises and with the uh, air flow to get away out hot air in the city is really getting uh, much more difficult uh, these days. And uh, as the uh, uh, Hong Kong Observatory Free just uh, recently announced a new uh, warning which says uh, over 35 degrees Celsius that predicted in the coming year. And last year, I, I remember, we have um, quite a lot of uh, extremely hot days. Actually, it's over 45 degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's getting, I mean, uh, mainly the workers working in the outdoor area mm. are extremely uh, risky, I would say. Yeah, and yeah. actually... Uh, there are ways that, I mean, our uh, sustainability policies that regarding decarbonisation, that could go, I mean, more stringent and okay. the commercial sector can be, I mean, do faster okay. in okay. reducing the carbon 
Yeah, uh, Edward, no, l uh, let's explore uh, all of these points. Uh, unfortunately, it's not a very good phone connection, so I think we're going to try again. We're going to try uh, uh, calling you back. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, um, Betty Lau, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, so uh, ha what's your feeling about the sort of weather that we can be uh, expecting in the coming years? Well, uh, we think it's going to be uh, it's a great challenge that we are facing uh, in terms of climate change and weather getting hotter and hotter, especially in Hong Kong. Uh, just now, we also shared about the uh, landscape of Hong Kong, like the high rises and how we are densely populated. And we also believe that some vulnerable groups, are particularly, uh, they face greater challenges, such as uh, people living in subdivided units because they have a they, they live in a poorly ventilated and uh, very, uh, yeah, very small area, uh, flat. Uh, so um, they, uh, because of the poor ventilation, they may suffer uh, worse air quality and also uh, more heat. And also, they may not be afford, able to afford the electricity cost of air conditioning. Obviously, uh, uh, climate change, hotter weather affects uh, different people in different ways according to their circumstances. Um, uh, Hong Kong's committed to being uh, carbon neutral by 2050. It's part of a sort of a global effort to try and uh, limit climate change. Um, and uh, cutting emissions by 50% by 2035. Um, the, the, one of the questions is, what can we do as individuals to help? And, and as individuals, can we make that much difference? Individual, I think first of all we uh, we have to raise our awareness first. Be, be aware of the issues. Uh, be more, yeah. Be aware of how the climate is changing and how what um, is affecting our daily lives. And there are individual choices that we can make actually, like such as saving energy, uh, improving the energy efficiency of our homes, and taking more public transport, and also voice out to. Uh, uh, to advocate for policies that will improve, uh, improve uh, the uh, to reduce carbon emissions and also improve air pollution. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Um, I think we've got um, Edwin Lau back. Uh, uh, Edwin Lau, hello. Yeah, Ed, Edwin, Ed, Edwin Lau, yeah, uh, executive director of the Green Earth. Uh, yeah, that's a better connection. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, we mentioned uh, just now the uh, the the carbon reduction. Uh, targets, uh, uh, carbon neutrality by 2050, 50% uh, reduction in emissions by 2035. Um, uh, last week, the, 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 the United Nations released this report warning that climate change was affecting the world uh, faster than expected. The, uh, the Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, suggested that uh, developed nations could bring forward their uh, carbon neutrality targets to 2040, 10 years earlier. And is, is that a go? Do you think that's possible? Is, is that feasible? Now, it is really depends on the uh, political will of mm. our government. And if the government thinks this is, is very, I mean, uh, critical issues, is, I mean, the survival of the entire, I mean, uh, population of, of of the uh, Hong Kong citizens, mm. and also related to the whole uh, economic uh, stability of the city, then the government should really, uh, really look into the latest uh, UN 
targets that we early on mm. uh, committed, which is by which is set before 2050, and now advancing by 10 years. Uh, in terms of technologies, uh, there are already available technologies. I mean, uh, worldwide, that Hong Kong can uh, adopt those technologies, such as uh, for uh, energy efficiency and to in- increase the efficiencies of our, first of all, from all our buildings. And in the moment, at the moment, I mean, the law only requires the new building to achieve the uh, government. Uh, standard, but for the existing uh, building, which has uh, over forty thousand of these buildings, they are not required under the law to achieve the same standard unless they they were undergone uh, they will undergo the uh, major renovation. But if they don't renovate, they, they can still right. uh, stay with uh, low energy building energy standard. That means they are wasting energy unnecessarily. Now, this is something the government should pull the regulatory approach to uh, to make the situation uh, improve faster than what they have Ed, planned before. But Edwin, is that going to be practical for some very old buildings? Uh, now, there are two ways to deal with it. Technically, it is feasible. And there are many uh, building engineers have uh, advocated in the past. One is about ritual commissioning of those uh, AC system and all those uh, electrical system. The other is to uh, 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 ritual fit their own uh, air conditioning system. Now, in the in the past, mainly our building, commercial building, I mean, use air cool chiller, which is not. If, as efficient as water cooled chiller. And nowadays the government uh, allows building owners to change it to water cool. And by changing from air cool to water cool, the efficiency improvement can be at the range of around uh, 30% to somehow some, right. I saw it's 45%, which is quite significant. That's significant and, for commercial buildings, but what about? Older residential buildings. Now, because uh, they have tend to have individual room coolers, don't they? Now, for uh, residential building, there usually there is no uh, uh, central centralized air conditioning. It's really right. down to the basic uh, uh, individual flats. And nowadays, the uh, uh, EMSD, the government, uh, in the website, they show all the top but uh, great one. Uh, energy efficient uh, equipment with all the labels and when uh, citizens trying to replace their old uh, AC system or other kind of uh, electrical appliances, they should refer to the government websites to see mm. which models are the best in terms of energy efficiency and to purchase those. Now, in terms of some support by the government, it also uh, comes But it's good. Well, it's good to know that there are such equipment available for individuals to buy. But why do we allow very inefficient ones to still be sold? Yeah, because Hong Kong is a very 
free market, Hong Kong is free market. So <laughs> I think the government uh, put all the no, that, that uh, won't I've, that, that won't do. <laughs> if we've got we're selling equipment that's going to boil us all, um, that's not uh, that's not I, free market. That's just <laughs> anarchy. I, I I take a point, and the government should also consider that even they list all the gradings here for the equipment. For those really uh, very uh, very in energy inefficient, yes. they should consider really uh, just like banning some of the single-use plastic to ban those really uh, out, outdated standards and models yes. uh, from from selling in the market. Do you think this introduction by the observatory of this new uh, ultra high temperature thing that we're going to have uh, is is that a milestone? For, for Hong Kong in in uh, in climate deterioration, uh, it is not just a milestone. It is a very serious signal given to all the people of Hong Kong and all the uh, government officials who who can make the law and give this uh, give this warning signal to all the political parties to urge the government to really step up all the necessary measures to right. reduce our carbon emissions, to improve our energy efficiency, and, and, and the old, I mean, uh, transport that is not efficient, burning dirty diesels, that should be uh, a quicker transition. And in terms of the public education for individuals uh, to understand this is, a, this is also a crisis, uh, just like COVID-19 is a crisis to our health, mm. this extremely hot weather bring in the extreme uh, weather event is also a, a, a serious uh, threat to right. the human survival. And this will be public education to educate the public how we as an individual can change our lifestyle to become more low-carbon, a low-carbon low citizen. Right. Betty, how about back to you? Do we need more education in this area? Yeah, of course. We, we always believe in education because with a more informed general public, uh, change is more likely to happen, right? So individuals can make better choices that would collectively help the environment, help other, not just climate change, other environmental issues as well, like uh, the ecological conservation and air pollution and such. Do you think the increased temperature, the risk of increased temperatures, is going to affect the cleanliness of the air, or how do they interreact? Well, uh, actually, we always say that uh, climate change and air pollution are two sides of the same coin. And they actually, these two problems seem to be like, we, also, we always consider them separately, but actually they should be tackled together because a lot of the, so the sources, the causes, uh, are common for, for these two problems. Uh, for example, look at the uh, look at Hong Kong. Uh, for greenhouse gas emissions, uh, the majority of that, is, around 60% of that, is from electricity generation, and the second largest uh, source is uh, uh, transport. And for air pollution, actually, the major causes are similar. They are electricity generation and road and marine transport. So uh, the measures to reduce uh, carbon emissions will actually benefit air quality as well. 
So uh, we think uh, we should actually look at the two problems together. And what, what specific measures do you think uh, could be taken to reduce those two things at the same time? Uh, those measures could be uh, promoting the energy saving and energy efficiency, in, increase the percentage of uh, clean and renewable energy in the uh, energy mix, uh, switch to zero emission transport, and also uh, improving the cycling facilities and pedestrian environment in the city. So cycle more, walk more, take less public transport, drive less, that kind of thing? Yeah. To the extent that we uh, fail or are too slow to move in this direction, we seem to be in danger of making things worse in the sense that if, if it's 35 degrees, you're going to want the air conditioning on uh, for longer. Yeah. Which means using more power, which means having more pollution. Uh, yes, that's why the measures actually should go hand in hand, like not just uh, asking people to walk more and, and to uh, drive less. It's also about uh, using renewable energy and improving the energy efficiency so that even if we uh, use the air conditioning, we will not consume as much energy. Now, as we are now. What, what do you think about this new warning that the observatory is going to introduce when the when the summer comes, when the temperature goes above 35 degrees? A extremely hot weather warning. Apparently, there were, I think, uh, 15 days last year when uh, the temperature went uh, above that level, which was uh, a record. Uh, and I mean, it actually sounds quite scary, doesn't it? Extremely hot weather warning. I mean, do you, do, is is that going to have an impact? Do you think on people's mentality so that so that uh, they start taking this uh, the the issue uh, more seriously than perhaps uh, some people do right now? Yes, I think so. I think this is a step to also to raise awareness among the public because when when. Yeah, they notified that the current current warnings are already not enough to reflect the mm. severity of the issue. So I think this would, I think this will benefit uh, the, the yeah, in terms of raising awareness in the general public. But also, it's not just about warning. We also need action right. to tackle the problem. How are we doing with awareness among the younger generation? Uh, I think it's getting better, but still a lot needs to be done for. Uh, there we see more environment, environmental education in Hong Kong now, like teachers and students are generally more informed than past generations. But uh, it, it, it still needs to go deeper. Like, for example, air is still, when, when we talk to the schools and students and teachers, uh, air is still kind of a new topic, a, a niche topic to them. So uh, we think, um, yeah, the, the understanding of various environmental issues has to be uh, deepened. So, um, Edwin Lau, it sounds like there's some room for optimism there. Then, if uh, uh, you know the topic uh, is sort of uh, gaining traction in schools, and uh, you know the, the, the younger generation are learning about this. Yeah, I think besides the younger generation, that we need to uh, raise their environmental awareness. I think the the working adults they are also uh, one of the important uh, target groups.
police are doing, giving out a lot of the uh, uh, tickets for illegal parkings. Now, they, when I walk around along the street, I saw still many vehicles, no better private or commercial vehicle, still idling their vehicles when they uh, park along the, 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 the road. Now, this is low-hanging fruit. You, have, you can send out a lot of government officials to issue parking tickets. Why can't the government send out the same group of people to check those illegal uh, idling vehicles? Mm. By stopping them, then you can easily reduce the air pollution, and that will increase the uh, urban heat problems. Now, Pakistan is a low hanging And in the urban areas, and this is particular, have more greenery, vertical greening, along building, along uh, uh, footbridges, flyover, do all that to, with using vegetation to absorb the heat. And this is something being done in other countries, in mm. mainland. Why Hong Kong is so strange that we cannot, I mean, do something that are uh, successful. Now, in terms of the building, which they use uh, uh, 90% of our electricity, now, the uh, AC uh, air conditioning fees that every month the tenants paying the landlord. Usually, I understand they are based on their uh, occupied space, not because not based on how much air conditioning or cool air they consume in the month. Now, this is quite uh, ridiculous. So I say without any incentive for all the tenants to reduce their use of aircon no matter it's very hot or mildly hot and if we can we can change this way by introducing uh in in in, in the commercial work is that green lease by maintaining that this should be changed that not by occupied space to charge your ac it's by the really uh, actual use then all the tenants will work closely with the landlord to reduce the AC consumption, thereby the tenant can save the money, the boss will like it, and it happens to reduce the uh, uh, carbon emissions. And the last thing is our building, commercial building, you look at central Kimbaja, most of them are what is glass facade, and they will easily allow the solar radiation to heat, come uh, through the windows and get into the, the, the interior to heat up the interior and uh, by retrofitting those with a sandwich uh, vacuum glass to mm-hmm. add on then it will cut away the solar radiation especially in the hot summer and you can try to address the extremely hot beyond 35 on, on this point Celsius. on this point of design yeah. do, do, can we do well, I'm just wondering if we need to do something. Have we got enough airflow through buildings that would allow natural airflow rather than all mechanized? Certainly, certainly. There are designs already exist in the world market. They make use of natural ventilation and make use of the uh, better shading, shading away from right. the hot suns and vegetations to three things to improve the circulation, improve to cool down the air, and then for aircon, it's just mildly supported to make it 
comfortable, and our our architects should uh, change in this way. And this will require the government to have the uh, and uh, to upgrade the building mandatory energy standard. When the government can uh, upgrade this, make it more stringent, such as the uh, OTT radio, the O4 heat thermal transfer radio, all these related to buildings and time to tender, then the public developers and the architects have to build something which is, I mean, uh, I mean, go for the carbon zero. Okay, uh, okay, okay. Uh, Betty yeah. Lau, Betty Lau, um, yeah. use less aircon and uh, change building design. Sorry, could you repeat? Yes. Uh, so, um, how how much would that help to change building designs and uh, and using less air conditioning? You mean how it will help the climate change? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would help a lot because uh, by changing the building design, energy efficiency can be improved. So we will uh, use en- less energy and also, uh, yeah, because the climate, if it's, the climate is getting hotter, like we mentioned before, uh, people use, will use more AC, so the uh, demand for energy will be, will be higher. So uh, we need more efficient buildings to uh, maintain the uh, comfort of the indoor environment and also uh, reduce energy consumption. Okay. All right. Uh, so at this point, we have to say uh, thank you to our guests. Uh, that was uh, uh, Betty Lau, you heard from, uh, campaign manager with the Clean Air Network. And thank you also very much to Edwin Lau, executive director of the Green Earth. Um, we're going to take a, a short break uh, for a news summary and a couple of announcements. <laughs> The news with Andrew Shirovsky. Large demonstrations are continuing throughout the night in several Israeli cities after the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu sacked his defense minister, Yoav Gallant. Yesterday evening, Mr. Gallant was dismissed after he called for controversial plans to overhaul the justice system to be scrapped. China and Honduras have signed a joint communique in Beijing on the establishment of diplomatic relations. The move comes shortly after the Central American country said it had officially severed ties with Taiwan. Foreign Minister Chin Gong commented that Honduras had chosen to join the mainstream of the world by recognizing the One China principle. And ticket sales for this weekend's Hong Kong Sevens have exceeded that of November's event when it was last held. Robbie McRobbie, CEO of Hong Kong Rugby Union, said he was delighted that over the weekend it had hit the target of 30,000 tickets sold. The venue, the Hong Kong Stadium, has a capacity of 40,000. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. The bank wants me to click this link to confirm a transfer. A government department called and says I've broken the law. It asked me to click this link to enter login details. A new payee in my bank account? Do I need to click this link to check? Banks will never ask you to log into your internet banking account or provide personal information through links in SMS messages or email. The Hong Kong Monetary Authority reminds you, protect your personal digital keys. Beware of fraudulent links. Take a happy ride with Joy Your Card. Just tap and feel the joy of getting around. Hey, pals over 65, you must apply for a Joy U Card in phases by the end of this year. Your current octopus will not be covered under the $2 scheme in future. Hong Kong residents born in 1946 and 47 must apply for a Joy U Card in March and April via Octopus app or by post. For details, visit the Joy U Card website or call 3147 1388. 
You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And we're going to continue uh, now for the next uh, 10 minutes or so with our topic of uh, climate change, um, uh, controlling air pollution and uh, related uh, matters. Um, if, if you want to get in touch, uh, our back chat is uh, our, our Facebook page is Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or, as you just heard, the hotline number is 233-88-266. Um, we did have a, a message from listener Mike, who said, uh, what happened to the ozone layer? The ozone layer was going to disappear. Is this just the government's way of scaring us into their next uh, social engineering programme? Uh, Mike there referring uh, to the new warnings that uh, will be issued uh, later this year when the temperature goes above 35 degrees. Uh, extremely hot weather warning. Um, we have now on the line with us uh, Nicole Wong, who's at CEO of WWF Hong Kong. Um, as you will know, uh, WWF is involved in many environmental projects, uh, including the Earth Hour, which was uh, staged here on Saturday night. Uh, uh, the lights went out in a, a number of buildings for an hour from 8.30 on, on Saturday. Um, Nicole Wong, thanks for joining us. Hi, morning, everyone. Uh, good morning. So uh, how, how did it go this time? Earth Hour. It's been going since 2007, hasn't it? So it's quite well established now. Yeah, thank you for um, having me this morning. Um, and first of all, I really want to um, thank you, everyone, and all the organizations who supported the Earth Hour that happened on last Saturday. Although the weather was not good in Hong Kong, mm. um, but we still witnessed the lights off along the Victoria Harbour and a lot of people, they joined uh, our event. For Earth Hour, it started in Sydney in 2007 and become an annual global event for the positive environmental action. For Hong Kong, we start the first Earth Hour two years later, that was in um, 2009. And for this year, it's the 15th Earth Hour of Hong Kong. It is now the world's largest citizen movement for the environment bringing individual people, communities, business, organizations, and governments in more than 190 countries and the territories together to switch off light for one hour. How, how, how do you measure the take-up rate? Oh, um, for the take-up rate, we can see that um, for each year, the number of countries and also um, uh, uh, cities is, has been uh, increased. Um, just in Hong Kong this year, we have nearly 4,000 companies and also organizations. They pledged through our Hong Kong website and supported the campaign by, by switching off lights for one hour. Mm. And, and, uh, and individuals as well? Um, this is difficult to really measure yeah. each individual. But how we can know that is by seeing the social media. And particularly, uh, we, we talk about compared to... Um, 15, 17 years before, the, the penetration rate, we can see that through social media is even much, much larger. And also go into um, every uh, individual, we can see people really promote um, their, the, the, the campaign for us. And also they share with us what they do for that one hour for the panel. Right. What is the impact on flora and fauna in Hong Kong? of these oh. very high temperatures if we're going to get them? Um, 
in Hong Kong, um, I, I, I guess your question is more like um, what's the impact of increasing temperature um, yeah. that impacting Hong Kong environment, right? Mm. Yes, and oh, I'm thinking I of see. animals and plants. <laughs> yeah. mm. I can share some personal story with you, particularly um, I and also my team always work in the nature environment. We can see some of the species that may not normally come to Hong Kong, but um, they do. Um, and that record, um, we really need some more research and also see the long-term, long-term impact. For one example, um, we have about 29 and 30 um, it is an endangered species, the oriental rice dog, that come to Hong Kong uh, before the Chinese New Year. Wow, this was not record in the past um, 20 years. Um, it's only come to Hong Kong for maybe uh, one or two each year, but this year it's mattered, um about 29. So this is some rare records, and for those species, this bird is normally may stay the winter time along the central China. But uh, we suspect maybe one of the reasons that um, our climate change and increased temperatures, this is one example that some of those um, uh, animals, they migrate, but they will uh, fly further down to like Hong Kong area. So um, for a lot of scientists, like my uh, 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 WWF Hong Kong and other uh, in the v, uh, other organization, university, we also keep checking, is there any rare case or something that not Align with the normal trend, and um, uh, we take note and also observe any change and any impact on the environment. Right, because we we always focus on Hong Kong itself, but of course the Earth as a whole, uh, this, this heat is is moving around, isn't it? It's it's becoming hotter down here. That means it must be hotter further to the north as well. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So uh, this year's Earth Hour had a theme as well: uh, habits protect uh, habitats. You were you were promoting the the value of our our wetland habitats in particular. Um, should mention at this point as well that uh, 2023 it's the 40th anniversary of the Maipo Nature Reserve, isn't it? Which WWF uh, manages. Um, how is um how's Maipo been affected by increasing temperatures? Just like the, the, the example that I shared with you, um, we record some species, species that may not uh, regularly come to Hong Kong. Um, and other situations, as we see that um, the tidal height um, sometimes it go beyond the normal uh, height. For example, um, we were uh, affected by the typhoon that stayed back in 2018. Uh, so I was there at my pole actually after uh, lower down the typhoon signal 10, and the whole my pole was flooded, totally flooded. All the gateways, all the fish spawn are all flooded by the um, by the waters. So this is one of the example that um, how the three typhoon and because of the abnormal weather that really impacts the environment. Although for normal Hong Kong people, they most of them living in the um, urban, but our nature that um, in the country park in the nature reserve um, because of the climate change um, uh, increasing uh, sea level that really impacting the wild life they living and they took highly depends on the nature mm. okay uh, i have a, a message here from a uh, listener janice says uh, 
Uh, one thing we can do as individuals easily is to think carefully about how much air conditioning is needed, if needed at all. Indeed, even during the winter months, the air conditioning in many public places, such as malls, restaurants and public transportation, is often on and at low temperatures we can perhaps consider using lower energy functions such as dehumidifiers or use natural airflow without blasting the air cons at freezing temperatures. The mindset needs to change across all levels of society. Um, Nicole Wong, um, so you're also encouraging the public to uh, adopt, uh, adopt different habits, aren't you? Um, uh, more environmentally friendly habits, like uh, not, I mean, not just turning off the light switch for Earth Hour, but uh, in our sort of uh, you know day-to-day um, -day habits and procedures. Um, um, what what could we do to help? Um, thank you for um, the question. Um, I think uh, for Earth Hour, it's also um, we really encourage people to um, use that one hour it's be, um, to we really reflect our lives and our living, how we collect with nature and how we impact nature. So in Earth Hour this year, we particularly want to um, also um, collaborate with the communities that can help us to um, adopt a more sustainable lifestyle, like low-carbon eating, we eat local food, um, low-carbon traveling, public transport, and also um, in our daily life, uh, switching off uh, or use less air conditioning is one of those. But in our daily life, we can also uh, reduce, um, use, reduce the use of plastic that may uh, that also impact the right. environment and also um, um, reduce and reuse all those unnecessary packaging. So this is also our recommendation in the Earth Hour. Right. I was going to say, is it time that we made the Earth Hour a bit more dramatic and <laughs> yeah. turn, turn everything off? Uh, just exactly. turning off your lights is not is not helping enough. It, yeah. It's helping a little, and it's a gesture. But you know, other than sort of life and death matters, turn everything off for an hour and see how that feels. Yeah, that that may be good. Then we can have a more simple life and also good for our well-being. And encourage people to open the window in, yeah. instead of, and getting fresh air like that um, yeah. in, instead of automatically reaching for the switch. I, I, I find this awareness not, not as high as I would like it to be. I've, I go around my flat all the time turning off lights in rooms which are not occupied. But uh, I think we've become... I don't know what to do about this. It seems maybe the younger generation is better. Yes, definitely, because um, there's um, more and more um, education, environmental education happening in um, the school. Actually, I have a very good story that um, uh, my friend told me um, yeah, on Saturday. Then um, uh, she said um, her kids told her, oh, it's Earth Hour on Saturday. Mom, let's switch off and do the Earth Hour together at home. So you can see how the impact um, from the school. That's very good, because uh, I, I have a feeling that people of, I have put this delicately, my generation may be slow to wake up to some of these things. So we, we need the youngsters to lead the way. Mm -hmm. And I am more positive that, you know, in our daily life, people interact together and we change each of us. It's called generation. And by Earth Hour, it has a real meaning that every individual, if they can do something for the Earth. And for this year, we really want to, um, and also we achieve that, to make a biggest hour 
for our planet. And we really hope that this message can continue and we wait for next year. But it doesn't mean that we stop doing anything for the Earth. Um, uh, for the Earth. We can do it in our daily lives. Mm. Okay, well, thanks very much for joining us uh, on the programme to uh, tell us uh, all about Earth Hour. That was uh, Nicole Wong, uh, CEO of uh, WWF Hong Kong. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hi, I'm Secretary for Housing, Winnie Ho. Happy birthday to RTHK's 95th anniversary. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. And for the last uh, 15 minutes or so of the programme this morning, uh, we're talking about international golf. Uh, we're focusing uh, on the return of uh, international golf to Hong Kong and, of course, the, a landmark victory for Tai Chi Ko, who's become the first uh, Hong Kong player to win an Asian tour event. It was the inaugural World City Championships, which were held at Fan Ling. Very happy to say that uh, we're joined uh, now in the studio by Alex Jenkins, who's Director of Communications at the Hong Kong Golf Club. Alex, welcome. Thank you, Jim. Uh, good morning to everybody. Yeah, so quite a weekend. It was an amazing weekend. It was uh, an emotional weekend for a lot of a lot of us uh, golf fans up at the club. Um, there was a huge uh, number of spectators out there following Tai Chi round. It was uh, oh, just uh, the week couldn't have gone any better, yeah, save for a, a bit of dodgy weather on Saturday. I mean, it's quite an amazing story, isn't it? I mean, he only turned professional in January, and he's, uh, he's just a young. He's just he's only twenty two, isn't he? He's, uh, that, very well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, turn pro in January. He's played. Uh, he's only played now three Asian tour events as a pro. Uh, he made the cut in his first two in Thailand and India. He came into the week, um, you know, in a bit of form. You know, he'd been playing well. We uh, we actually got him up alongside the star players Ian Poulter and Henrik Stenson for the uh, the media uh, photo call on Tuesday, um, and we were just you know hoping he might make the cut and uh, you know do uh, quite well. But you know, he's exceeded all expectations. It was, this is a new event, isn't it? This. Uh World City Championship. That's right. So, uh, so since 1959, we've held the Hong Kong Open. It's uh, Hong Kong's oldest sporting event. But uh, you know, it's been nearly three and a half years since since the last one was held. So, we were very keen to get international golf uh, back to Fan Ling, back to Hong Kong, at uh, the earliest opportunity, which we were able to do once uh, all the travel restrictions were lifted. Mm. Right. And so, this is a, a new one, but the old ones are coming back now. Uh, absolutely, yep, yep. Uh, we're going to be making an announcement on the Hong Kong Open uh, returning in November um, very shortly. But uh, even before that, we've got a, another big event uh, for the ladies. The ladies uh, Aramco Team Series will be visiting Hong Kong for the first time in October. So, uh, yeah, we're making up for lost time. Mm -hmm. Wow. OK, so that's going to be three world level events uh, in the space of a few months. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah something we're really keen on doing. Uh, obviously, Fanling is really the only uh, golf course in Hong Kong that's capable of staging events of this uh, size. So, yeah, we you know there's a lot of sort of uh, we feel compelled to get you know international golf back into Hong Kong after so many years. And you think the government's paying attention to the crowd size? I hope so. Yeah, we had uh, yeah even despite the the bad weather uh, yesterday, it, was, it drizzled relentlessly throughout. There was uh, a, many thousands of people, obviously following Tai Chi around and the other players too. But uh, yeah, we had a huge uh, demand for tickets. Uh, tickets were free throughout the week. We had over thirty five thousand people register for those. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was all in all great that, success. That's going to put it up in the same bracket as the rugby sevens. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it was hu- hugely successful from a sort of fan point of view. It, uh, the, you know, the tournament gets broadcast to over 105 countries and territories around the world, so it has big uh, global appeal. You know, golf is a hugely popular sport to watch on television. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I hope uh, people around the world also, in addition to those in Hong Kong, had a mm-hmm. had a thrilling week of uh, watching the action. So that really will have helped to put Hong Kong back on the map. Yeah, yeah, certainly, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, obviously the Sevens uh, came back in November. Uh, you know, everybody's really excited about that. Uh, that that was really the springboard for, you know, events to to come back to Hong Kong. And uh, obviously, you know, World City Championship uh, just finished yesterday. Sevens coming up. So, uh, you know, and the Rugby Tens also uh, this weekend. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's a really, uh, really exciting time. Because you've kind of like, like uh, you tied up this event of the past few days with the, the Welcome to Hong Kong uh, campaign, uh, which is something that uh, you want to support, obviously. So, I mean, how important are international sporting events uh, for, uh, you know, bringing business, economy and visitors uh, back to the territory? Yeah, I think uh, sports in general, golf in particular, um, you know, it's, it's a really good sort of platform for, you know, big international business for corporates, uh, you know, for hospitality purpose and, and just for watching the game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, we had a really good response. Um, now that Hong Kong is back open, you know, we're just trying to reinforce that message that, you know, Hong Kong is open, sports is back, and, uh, you know, we can, you know, get Hong Kong back to becoming the Asian sporting capital again uh, of Asia, uh, the, the for Asia. The thing about sports is it gains very, very wide coverage in the news Every news bulletin ends with sport, sometimes begins with sport, but it ends with sport. There's a big chunk of that. And it's kind of soft PR, isn't it? It, yep. it, it sort of, it's not in your face, uh, this is great. It, it's sort of, this event took place as long as it's world class. That's right. Yeah. So we, uh, I, I think that's right. We we did have a, a world class field of players. Uh, we had obviously Poulter and Sensen, who I mentioned earlier. We had a really strong lineup from the Asian Tour. So we had all all their top players too. But uh, obviously Tai Chi, you know, went and ran away with the event, and that just made it all all the more special. Mm. I gather it must have been very emotional for a Hong Kong crowd to see a Hong Kong star. It was. Uh, I think uh, it's fair to say most of us felt pretty physically sick, actually, the last nine holes, just <laughs> just really hoping you would get it done. And uh, once that final putt went in, it was, uh, yeah, hugely, uh, hugely emotional, hugely uplifting. I mean, his, his parents were by the side of the green. Uh, a whole, all his friends came on with champagne sprayed, you know, all, all over him. You know, he was, uh, he ended up in tears. I mean, he's a, he comes across as a super cool, icy kind of guy on the golf course. But uh, once that final putt was hold, he uh, let it all go. It was uh, it great go. to see. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. And the crowds were excited. Oh, you, you know, it's, uh, despite the weather, like I was saying, there was huge numbers out there. And uh, there was one moment I was out on the golf course actually watching a bit and uh, he'd got off to a, a bit of a dodgy start. He dropped a couple of shots to allow some the field to come back to him, but he incredibly held out, held out a, a shot from about 60 yards on the ninth. And, uh, oh, the crowd just went wild. And, uh, you know, he, he played you know, almost flawlessly, you know, after that. And it was, yeah, 
Great, great mm. stuff for the young man. Mm. Turn, turning ahead to the next big one, did you say it was the uh, women's? Uh, yep, that's the uh, the Aramco Team Series. That's uh, featuring the, its ladies' European tour, and uh, typically, you know, we'll get a really, really strong field for that. It's the first time uh, the Aramco Team Series has visited Hong Kong, um, but yeah, that will be that will be a really great event too, and uh, hopefully played in, in somewhat. Uh, sunnier, under sunnier skies. What, what sort of stars are we going to see in that? Uh, I can't confirm anything yet, but uh, we'll certainly get a, uh, a couple of top teners at least. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully get um, uh, some you know, good local uh, talents as well. Because you know, the game in Hong Kong has never been stronger. Uh, for, you know, there's a lot of young players coming through now and uh, really starting to make their mark on the international stage. On that point, are we getting more girls? Uh, we we ha- uh, are getting more girls. Actually, uh, Hong Kong's most successful player to date has been Tiffany Chan, who right. who uh, obviously has represented Hong Kong twice at the Olympics. She's uh, now plying her trade on the LPGA Tour, which is the the uh, highest you know tour in the world for the ladies. So uh, yeah, and, and there's a lot coming through trying to follow her footsteps. So uh, it's all all very positive. Mm. How about in schools? The movement in schools. How's that going? Yeah, uh, we ourselves as a club, um, we actually give coaching, uh, provide coaching to uh, to ten schools from Fanling and Shengshui. Uh, so much so that they come in regularly. You know, they come in on a weekly basis, and golf has actually become part of the the PE curriculum. So uh, that's just one of the ways we're, we're trying to grow the grow the sport here locally in Hong Kong. And there's some championships or competitions at school level. Yep, yep. We uh, host an annual inter-school uh, golf championship, which is uh, very well attended uh, by you know a lot of a lot of schools around Hong Kong. I think we get around 50, um, and that's always very even uh, keenly uh, contested. Um, so yeah, it, the, the golf uh, in Hong Kong is an incredibly popular game. It's grown exponentially in the last 15, 20 years. And, you know, even during COVID, you know, the courses around Hong Kong, when they were allowed to open, were absolutely rammed. Well, because it's out in the fresh air. Exactly. I couldn't understand why you, you were being told to close <laughs> well. when the one place you wanted people was out in the fresh air. Um, all right. What more? What more could we we do as a community, and especially the government? What more could we do to help promotion of golf? I think it's. Uh, I, th- I think uh, the promotion of sports in general. Um, you know, it's something that uh, we, we all need to uh, get on the back of. And um, you know, Hong Kong has a lot of talented athletes. Uh, golfing and otherwise, and uh, just to give more opportunities, more events. I mean, this is one of the other reasons why we wanted to host the World City Championship was to give, uh, you know, the local players. We had 20 local players in the field to give them, you know, more of an opportunity to to play at the highest level. To, you know, to, to so they can showcase their skills to a, a truly global audience. You know, give them that experience, give them that, uh, you know, that understanding of what what it takes to achieve at the highest level. Mm-hmm. And what would be the risks? If we've got opportunities for for growth, what are the dangers? I I I, I don't think I see any uh, danger. I think uh, the more people getting out playing golf, I mean, you know, we need the facilities to do that, and uh, you know, I think uh, I think the future can be bright um, if 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 we have the facilities to do that. Do we need more facilities? Well, I think like in all sports, uh, we you know, the more facilities, the better. Mm. Just going back to the the WCC. Um, so, uh, as you mentioned a few times, of course, so we didn't have a great deal of luck with the weather. Right? Saturday was pretty wet. As we had the downpour on Saturday. Hailstones. Um, uh, and <laughs> did, did you have any hailstones at uh, Fanling? Not at Fanling, no. no, okay, no. Okay. Uh, how, how is it? I mean, 
Obviously, you can't play golf when it's when it's thunder and lightning. Um, no, that was it. it. You can totally play golf when it's uh, pouring with rain, uh, as long as the golf course stands up, which ours largely did. Um, it's really when the lightning comes out you have to start purely from a, obviously a safety point of view. But um, in the end. Uh, you know, the, obviously the event was reduced from 72 to 54 holes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that probably benefited Tai Chi in the end. Um, you know, he held a four-shot lead with 16 holes to play. Uh, and, yeah, to get it done was uh, was wonderful. And to get it done on the Sunday, because, you know, obviously if the tournament had been extended into Monday, the crowds would have been far fewer. Yeah, so, sure. so to get it done uh, yesterday was uh, all in all a great result. Looking ahead to the full Open, then, welcome back to the Open. Um, How's, how's that looking? Uh, the Open, yep. Uh, we'll be announcing dates for that uh, in the next couple of days. But, uh, yeah, it'll be November. Uh, we're expecting a really high-quality field. Uh, you know, big prize money. Um, you know, it's going to be... It's going to be probably the biggest Hong Kong Open in history. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, you know, happy to wager. So uh, that's going to be really exciting for uh, sports fans in Hong Kong, and obviously those who like to travel in for the Hong, Hong Kong Open because we do get a lot of international uh, visitors on yeah. the back of it. Yeah, I think you had, um, is it about just under fifty thousand for the Open in twenty eighteen? Yeah, that's is that, right. Is yeah, that, is, that, is that the record so far? Uh, that is the record. Yeah, right. that was just right. under fifty thousand uh, for the four days of action, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I would be surprised if we don't be that this this time this time the crowd was main, mainly local uh yes i would say mainly local and it was it was quite uh, interesting actually because obviously we have a hardcore of golf fans in hong kong but what we really tried to do was to push the event to you know not necessarily uh regular golf fans so we had a lot of uh, activities uh, non-golfing activities in our spectator village uh things like you know a lot of bouncy castles for kids we had a lot of uh, entertainment acts uh, we even had sort of, uh, we had our ecology and uh, heritage uh, gallery uh, showing everybody, you know, what, what we have up at Fanling. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of uh, activities, a lot of good food and everything to uh, appeal to a wider audience. And uh, that was really well attended. Are we going to push for overseas attendance more, a bit more publicity? I think no? so. Yeah, certainly for uh, for the next two events we've got coming up. Obviously, uh, you know, Flight schedules into Hong Kong is you know are not quite back to where they were, um, but uh, hopefully by the time October November rolls around, we'll be able to get far more uh, overseas visitors. We're on the road. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thanks very much for joining us uh, this morning uh, to uh, talk about uh, the return of international golf to Hong Kong and the inaugural World City Championship, uh, which was uh, uh, finished at uh, Fanling yesterday. Congratulations to uh, local golfer Tai Chi Ko who uh, won the tournament, uh, the first Hong Kong player to win an Asian tour event. Um, that was uh, uh, Alex Jenkins, who you were just hearing, who uh, joined us here in the studio. Uh, and um, I've got a few more emails from listeners, but there's no time to read them out. I'm going to save them uh, until tomorrow morning. Uh, uh, emails on our main topic this morning, which was about um, uh, climate change. Um, thank you to uh, all of our audience. And once again, thanks very much to you, Mike Rouse, co-host for today. A lot of fun. Um, and tomorrow we'll be back uh, with uh, back chat uh, at the same time at 9am uh, tomorrow morning um, stay with us because coming up we've got news summary followed by brunch with Noreen <laughs>